0: All those who are holding tickets outside will get in as fast as they can. I'm speaking out to you, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm speaking to the crowd on the outside who seem to be standing
1: rather they reluctant to come in, and we're going to start this very soon. Welcome back to Worthy. I'm Ben. And I'm John. And it is Christmas, nay, it is the 96th Academy Award nomination morning. It is feels like Christmas morning, and I'm very excited. I woke up today being like, the Oscar noms are here, the Oscar noms are here. And I was very excited at, what was it, 8.30 in the morning to start the, uh, the broadcast and see what was going on. So, John, just throwing it to you, what's your... How do you you know take an Oscar nomination morning? Like what like do you enjoy getting up early and seeing the broadcast? Or are you just like filing through the the list all day? Yeah, it's kinda like the Christmas day where like you open up the wrong closet and
0: you saw your present already and you're like trying to act like you're surprised, but you're not really surprised by what you opened up on Christmas Day. That seems about right for how this is going for the '96 Academy Award nominations, but it's always an exciting day. It's always exciting to see what's been nominated, what's coming out, and what people think is going to win, right? The snubs, the surprises. So I'm always excited on this day, good or bad. If it's not that much of a surprise, that's fine. No biggie. I never watch the actual broadcast in the morning. I don't have anything against it. One, I'm usually not awake that early. Two, I was driving to work when it was airing. And three... To me, I don't really care that much about the actual broadcast. I just want to get the data, the straight facts, get right to it. So I'll usually go right to Hollywood Reporter, Variety, one of the main publications. But yeah, it is nothing too surprising. There are definitely some snubs that we'll definitely talk about. But this is a solid year all around, especially when you kind of center it on the Best Picture nominees this year. So can't wait to talk more about it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So why don't we talk about some notable snubs Uh and just kind of, you know, get into it just a little bit. So the biggest one, the big headliners are Margot Robbie and Greta Gerwig not getting nominated in their own individual categories. Margot Robbie for Best Actress, Greta Gerwig for Best Director. Uh, a category that many kind of shrewed them in. So, yeah, they're going to get nominated for this. Um, whether it was they were going to win, probably not. But it was. it seemed like a foregone conclusion. And what we get is... A snub, and of course, who gets the acting noms is America Ferreira and supporting actress, which, not that she did a bad job, just, like, surprising that she's there, and then, of course, people knew Ryan Gosling would be there for Ken, but it was just like, really? Ken gets in, but not Barbie? What's up with that? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: it's very odd. I think this is probably the biggest snubs just because it's the most popular film of the year. It's one of the most talked about films of the year. And you've just seen Margot Robbie everywhere. You've seen her promoting it so much way beyond the actual release date. She's still all over YouTube videos, social media content. I just saw that the costume designer of Barbie is releasing a book all about the outfits she wore for the film and her press run. So that is how much we've seen Margot Robbie. She's been everywhere. I think the bigger issue here is Greta Gerwig not being nominated. I think she carries that entire movie. She's like the hub of why that movie really is the way it is. You know, Margot Robbie may be the producer. She may be the lead actress. And she does a great job as Barbie. I'm not trying to downplay that. And she's the reason why it kind of got pushed into production. And her whole big spiel about it being a billion dollar film. And all of that now has kind of already been cemented in history. But it's Greta Gerwig who makes the decision. She's the one who stylized the whole film and i definitely recommend going and since she's not really getting the credit here there's probably not gonna be that many wins for barbie itself i would recommend anyone who's listening to this who likes Greta Gerwig or is interested more about how she made barbie to go watch uh, a video she did on youtube which she kind of breaks down her major influences on barbie and i think when you watch that video you can see that she knows a lot about film she knows a lot about film history and she spent a lot of time preparing for this movie and draws from a lot of very famous and iconic films, you know, you know, like sound of music or an American in Paris, you know, two Oscar winners that we've previously talked about. So huge snub. And I think probably the biggest snub for me is, is Greta Gerwig here, not being nominated.
1: Yeah, it's definitely uh, shocking. I mean, the social media has definitely been like, really? Like we all love this character. Greta Gerwig has, a humongous following and there are a lot of like girl fans who are just like why is she not at least nominated you know they're not begging for like the win they are like she should be there and nominated and we can get to when we get to those categories who maybe we would replace them with or not um but did wanna, you yeah see ryan
0: gosling's response to this i wanted to throw that out there just to make no. sure that you didn't see it no not yet okay so i won't read the whole thing but he essentially says that he's like very excited about this but I think the most like potent kind of moment of this writing, which he made a full response to them not being nominated, which one, I found that kind of bizarre, but he wrote, there is no Ken without Barbie. And there's no Barbie movie without Greta Gerwig and Marco Robbie, the two people most responsible for this history making globally celebrated film. So he made a, a public comment i think was on instagram or some social media site basically saying like i'm happy i'm nominated i'm glad like america ferrera is nominated and she's being honored with that but those two women are the reason that movie exists they're the reason why it's as good as it is so i wanted to throw that in there too cuz it's it's fascinating you have any thoughts yeah. on that i mean good for him
1: I, you know i they should be more vocal about this and yeah at the end of the day it is just an award and they know like the work put, put into it. And I think like, that's, you know, a little bit of what he's saying too, but I, I, you know, I, I kudos to him like that, that not many people would do that. And, um, there's a lot of interesting politics going on within this year, um, with how, you know, which films are getting nominated and like, who's getting what, and who's getting snubbed. And I think that leads to me to like my next, like biggest snub. Um, sorry, Leo, but the actors in May, December, getting completely shut out is a little bit like hmm i guess people can't you know take their own medicine uh for those who may not know what may december is about it's kind of a critique on not necessarily method acting but the studying and infiltrating people's lives to to portray them in a movie in a tv show and kind of the the not so great ways people would go to do that and kind of develop characters and it just feels a little bit like hmm, you guys can't take your own medicine but we're going to nominate a bunch of biopic uh nominees uh for this year and performances but we're going to shut out the ones that critique that a little bit um any thoughts on may december and the actor is going to completely shut out from it
0: yeah, remove Annette Benning out of here.
1: Get her out of the <laughs> Best Actress
0: Leading Role category. No one cares about Nyad. No one watched that movie. No one cares. I'm sorry I love Annette Benning. She's a great actress, but no, get her out of here. Possibly get Carrie Mulligan out of here. It was good performance. It was fine. Oscar-worthy for this year? No. Get her out of there. Put Natalie Portman in here at the very least. Like... Yeah. i i know you love her so much and i like hyped up this movie a lot so to hear you say this it, it's it is such great performances and it's not even just those two the other uh actor i'm can't i can't remember charles melton
1: name. was great in supporting role and then julian moore arguably probably should have gotten in over let's say an america ferrara or jodie foster and i uh, yeah just Definitely. an opinion you know not trying to take away from them, but it's like Julian Moore was fucking crazy in that movie. And <laughs> yeah, really could, all three of them in those leading roles were great. Um, so yeah. it's very unfortunate. Um, should we talk about our boy, Leo? I mean, he's still going to be there. I, if they do this right, Leo should walk Lily Gladstone like, down the red carpet himself and be like her date. I mean, they, they have been playing this right to get her her win, and they should cap, you know put a cap on it and have Leo walk her down the red carpet. It would be stunning.
0: I like that. I like that. I might take away like agency from her. I thought you were going to say walk her off to the podium. I'm like, all right, that's pushing it. No, that's no, no, crazy. no, 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 <laughs> like be, be
1: the person, you know, cause she, he has been like a vocal uh, presence for her, like a genuine vocal presence that you almost like from a Felicity standpoint, they should you know, have him there I'm not trying to take away from her and her agency. Not saying that they like every single photo they take together. I'm just saying the moment would be nice to have Leo bring Lily Gladstone onto the red carpet and, you know, walk with her
0: just going to be another model of the month Ben don't worry don't worry (laughs) I think (laughs) I think like for Margarabi, Greta Gerwig those are like the two biggest for me second is probably Greta Lee from past lives not being nominated I mean she is 90% of that movie she carries that movie she gives such an interesting performance she gives a performance in two different languages she gives a performance when she's younger and middle age and her older age like she gives such a dynamic performance, and I'd never heard of her. You know, it's the perfect kind of category, it's the perfect kind of, like, push to give an actor who's been a supporting actor in the industry for, like, over a decade, and she's been, you know, trying to find lead roles like this, and she finally does, and she lands it in Past Lives. You know, it was my favorite film of last year. I loved it. So it is a shame that she's not nominated here as well. And, again, remove one of those two, and she could have easily fit here, Carrie Mulligan. Pop her out, put her <laughs> here. But yeah, what about you, Ben? What else jumped out?
1: No, I, I agree with you on Greta Lee. I mean, past I loved past lives and I loved her performance. I thought, I thought we were going to be looking at a Greta at the time, a Greta Lee, Margot Robbie race, and became a, you know, I was still thinking Greta Lee, Lily Gladstone, like Greta Lee. This, like, I thought Greta Lee was going to be heavily involved. I mean, and clearly they loved the movie. It got nominated for two key categories in screenplay and picture and the rest it didn't get, um, which is just an absolute shame because it was a phenomenal movie. It was, what, my number two behind Oppenheimer for the year? So, yeah, I I couldn't agree more that her performance was truly great. Um, Another person, uh, and this is maybe more of a long shot, but, again, like Hollywood, fans would have ate it up John Zac Efron in The Iron Claw. (laughs) He was really – that was a great movie, and that got completely snubbed. I don't know, like, what – I mean cinematography I guess that's, that's maybe the one technical category you could have put them in maybe editing but like the, um, the acting that movie is so good and, and I and people it seemed like Zac Efron was getting the type of love I mean what it was like what a 24 one of their best performing box office movies ever so it's yeah. a little shocking that like a little bit of that star power didn't get him there but hey maybe it's better you know better for the, the mythology of that movie.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think I saw a clip going around recently that was like two or three, perfor- like a- not actors but uh, athletes. I think one was like a tennis player, and she's being interviewed after her match, and she's like, "Oh, I can't wait to go see Iron Claw. Like after this, I'm really excited to get out of here and go see it." So, it has gotten this reputation that it's more than just you know a Zac Efron film. It's more than just an A24 film. It's actually a, a really great film and a really great drama drama i guess you would say maybe even melodrama it's a straight
1: drama yeah definitely Uh,
0: but i would even say like maybe it's melodrama because it's all about uh you know this family and about their history and the ups and downs and the turmoil they go through so i think he carries that film though he is this like interesting lead character and he's not like he's played before he's like this kind of quiet doofus of a character who slowly has to like be broken throughout the film and I thought he did a fantastic job of doing that and I wonder if it's people that just can't dissociate from the Disney this guy's a Disney star he's in romantic comedies he's in terrible films like Baywatch he's not an Academy Award nomination but I think after this run even though he's not nominated I think this kind of changes people's view of Zac Efron and, and maybe moving forward that changes
1: yeah absolutely i think it it should i mean i'm taking him very seriously now as an actor i i do look forward to his next performance and seeing what what he can do um so very excited or disappointed that he got snubbed but excited for his you know future in film are there any other snubs you want to touch on john uh from the list of at least notable ones i mean i'm just waiting for willem dafoe to finally
0: win you know like I don't think he's ever won before. I would would love to see that man go up there. He's like one of the defining actors, I would say, that's still around, still performing. It's, you know, it's a crowded category for poor things and it got a lot of love. But uh, unfortunately, he didn't get there. But besides that, I think the biggest thing is like Alexander Payne for The Holdovers. You haven't seen The Holdovers yet. But I think as soon as you watch that movie, you're like, this movie, the whole thing is the script and the direction and the direction honors beautiful script so well and uh yeah it's just a shame that he wasn't nominated but it's just a it's a tight category again
1: well he won uh for the descendants i think for screenplay yeah i mean he's i think so yeah I th- yeah so i mean he he's great i do love his stuff i will most likely watch the holdovers as soon as we're done nice. uh, recording this but let's move on um and let's talk about something that we touched on for those early listeners of worthy and our i think is our fourth episode Uh, when we were talking about Cimmerin, and that was the introduced diversity rules uh, back in June of 2020 to the Oscars. Uh, We spent some time talking about these rules that were being implemented for this year and and for this ceremony. It's the first time it's happening that you know, they created these mandatory rules um, as part of their Academy Aperture 2025 initiative. Um, And so basically the all the films need to fulfill two of four standards. Uh, the first one is on-screen representation, themes, and narratives. The second one is creative leadership and project team. The third is industry access and opportunities. And the last one is audience development. So all these are just initiatives. You have to, you know, fulfill two of the four that you have some sort of uh, of diversity into the project, how you're trying to market it, how, who is involved in the project, what you're trying to say. Um, and it's funny that it it was a big thing when it was announced and everyone you know there's always a split thing of like no this is stupid or you know you gotta let the films be films and the other one being like this probably really won't have like that much of an impact which i think we did sort of land on that idea that like it's one it's easy to kind of fulfill these things and because at the time i think they were talking about like well what would have fulfilled it um and two you know these are great initiatives even if they don't necessarily hit the surface level of it um, and for this year they wasn't really brought up like no one really talked about like oh there's these new diversity rules the new initiatives and I feel like that wasn't a thing but not, not necessarily anyone was kind of like clamoring for it because I guess all the films satisfied audiences I uh, said so John just what are your thoughts on the new rule you know it, is it a big impact you know, What what are your thoughts on it yeah I think you hit the nail on the head when you don't know there's a rule.
0: forget about the rule you're not going to question whether there's a rule to begin with so you look at all 10 of these nominations and you're just yeah these are 10 great movies these are awesome these should be nominated for best picture you're not really thinking of the diversity on screen behind the scenes and i don't really think you should be worrying that much about that if the film is really nominated for that and pushed up because of that you probably will know and i think they've done a good job of just nominating great films the academy honors this this year and they're honoring these films and we're not kind of drawing our attention to this because it's not really that important and I think that was kind of their goal from the start was you know we should have these standards you know I think it's a lot more important to have them behind the scenes because we should have like diversity making films because it's the cultures the diverse people making the films that will then represent that in the actual final outcome obviously you want films that are made and that are diverse you know in terms of what you're seeing on screen but i think the diversity behind the scenes is a lot more important when it comes to this so yeah not much else to say really i think it's it's interesting that no one's talking about this anymore it's probably because they did it right and it it wasn't overly restrictive or it was you know enough to do the job right without causing a stir i would say
1: yeah and you know not to like play devil's advocate but i would and they'll never release this information is like well how do they fulfill it because i love oppenheimer that is not a very diverse uh leadership in terms of its production and that's not taken away from them and it's not trying to fit any kind of narrative and put some narrative out there but how did oppenheimer fulfill these because from the outside perspective they at least don't have they don't have creative leadership in terms of like the heads now what now what what is creative leadership you know, I would have to get that definition too on a film set is that just department heads is that just producer director writer type of thing so that it would be interesting to understand what criteria was met and not to like bash any film not to say like oh you didn't have more representation it's just it would be interesting to know that data and how they are accomplishing it um, cuz I think it is important to know like yes we at Hollywood are taking this seriously and actually implementing initiatives that we put out a few years ago as a rea- and not you know it w- it was very much a reaction to what was happening in 2020 and all you know all the different social issues that were being addressed it was definitely a reaction to it and it's a great reaction to it but how are you actually following through i guess it's kind of my spiel to it
0: do you um, think that just shines the light on it too much then? Every year if they're like, here's the data on like who made these films and who was behind and in front of the camera.
1: Is that just drawing again yeah.
0: more attention to it, right?
1: Uh, I mean, I guess you can also say that you do you know all that stuff because you could just like look at all the credits. But again, I I just want to understand like what does it mean by creative leadership because there's a lot of people who give input into a movie. And that's including the people on screen too. So it's like... You know, cause you have now a ton of situations where actors like Mark and Robbie is the producer. Um, I'm trying to think what, I think Leo might've been a producer also for killers of the fire. I could be totally making that up. Um, but it's just, you know, th- it's interesting to uh, think about, but it's not important, I guess enough to like criticize it because the Academy is saying these fulfill the requirements. Um, and I'm, you know, again, just curious. I always want to know, I always want to know the data and what's going on and, have a about data everything. whore. I you want that
0: that sweet, sweet data. Yeah,
1: I just want voting results, but hey, I'll take, you know, how do these films meet these requirements? You know? There, there's yeah, rules can we get for... voting results first? Let's do that, please. I don't know. I'm just trying to take what I can get type of thing. <laughs> um but speaking of taking what I can get, I there was a big math uh, stat thing that happened today that I did dive deep into and I noticed there was fifteen movies that had multiple nominations, but there were three movies. That had ten or more. And that stood out to me. I was like, there's usually is one movie per year that gets around ten. Two is pretty like, wow, that's remarkable to have three. I was like, When was the last time that happened? It's happened one time, uh, and it happened in nineteen sixty four. Uh Mary Poppins, My Fair Lady, which won Best Picture, and Beckett were all nominated uh twelve or more. Mary Poppins had thirteen, so exactly Oppenheimer. But other than that, it's been a bunch of two movies in, what was it one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten? Ten t- other times where it's just two films with ten plus nominations. The last time that happened was 2012 with Lincoln and Life of Pi, and neither one of those won Best Picture. Most likely, though, one of the three films, Oppenheimer, Poor Things, and Kills of the Flower Moon, which got ten or more, is going to walk away with Best Picture. The math kind of like points to it that that's what's going to happen, but. Maybe it's about how many awards they win, which will be interesting because we had a year we've had several instances for Scorsese the last few times where he's ten or plus and won nothing. Um, last or two years ago we powered the dog, I think with twelve, and only won one. So it, it's it's a kind of like it's cool that it's happening, but you know, it may not be a good thing for poor things or kills in the flower moon. Um, if uh, if they get snubbed at all. And it could happen because of Oppenheimer's like kind of prowess this year.
0: Definitely, I don't think there's any correlation to that. Those, like, you know, not winning either. Lincoln and Life of Pi. I think that's just probably how it happened that year. You know.
1: Do you know which movie won that year off the top of your head? Life of Pi. Was it? um You got this. You're gonna flip out if you don't get this. Oh God. No, tell me. I'm sorry. Argo. Bad. Argo. Oh Argo, go f- Argo! Fuck yourself. You're silly. Come on. <laughs> exactly <laughs> so kind of cool and, and that year remember everyone was kind of being like what the fuck ben affleck uh should have been should have like been nominated for yeah exactly
0: wow that's so interesting yeah that, that's the same year i didn't even put that together yeah i was talking about that with because <laughs> people were like god greta gerwig that's terrible i'm like well imagine like greta gerwig was barbie she like helped write the script and she was the director of Barbie, and then she didn't get nominated for actor or director, yeah. but like everyone else does around her. That's what happened to Ben Affleck. Not to compare, you know, apples to oranges, but it is it is honestly similar in a way. It's. I mean, he
1: was a, but then I know people being up with the argument that like, well, he was a producer. Gerwig's a producer. She got nominated for screenplay. It's just like, okay, well, kind of bullshit, but
0: yeah. I know yeah, it's, it's the director who put it all together and made it the way it is though at yeah. the end of the day yeah
1: so fun facts fun stats but uh let's jump into the nominations and breaking it down giving our thoughts so john let's jump right into it uh best visual effects uh nominees were the creator godzilla minus one guardians of the galaxy three mission impossible dead reckoning part one and napoleon um any initial thoughts on this category Honestly, this was one of the biggest
0: surprises for me. I mean, Mission Impossible, you kind of expect like a grand film like that, Guardians of the Galaxy, again, they both have great special effects. But it was really the rest. One Godzilla -1, that that's pretty crazy. People were talking about how great the special effects were, especially for the budget. Everyone's kind of praising this director same time he's running the special effects as well. So, that's amazing. I mean, I thought the creator had insane special effects if we're gonna say like what you could look at from a still image from a video and think is real life i would probably say the creator in terms of just visual accuracy what feels the most real in the world but doesn't mean it deserves that win napoleon though is also a weird one because i've heard a lot of people like go against the cgi of that movie and i haven't seen it so i want to know your thoughts on napoleon being nominated for best visual effects
1: yeah i i really did like napoleon and i do like the battles but there are definitely some moments where i'm just like oh ridley scott just put this together like very quickly in post it was just like slap an explosion over that (laughs) don't care (laughs) how digital it looks in certain parts like you, you can tell and not that it's bad i mean we grew up in the early 2000s where everything was digital i mean like i I will always i will say this and it's not a criticism like the matrix does not look as good as it once did the av the first avatar movie does not look as good (laughs) as it once did so maybe we'll look back on napoleon and be like oh that was a little bit better than what it could have been um but yeah a little shocking napoleon was there i it's a weird like i i like godzilla is in there i love godzilla um but at the same time, you know, I wasn't, I wouldn't say that special effects were like the best thing, but it's a cool thing that they were able to accomplish that with such a low budget. And that makes me think like, is that the, the winner? Is that, you know, the fact that it got in there and looking at these other choices, but I could also say like knowing or seeing how stuff has been that has won in the past, like the creator could line up for that pretty easily because of how well it integrates into the world.
0: And that's kind of an underrepresented underrepresented movie across the board for the Oscars this year, yet had a lot of really passionate fans who really loved that movie. And I think if anyone talked about special effects in movies this year, they talked about the creator and they talked about Godzilla. So those two do seem kind of like the front runners.
1: Yeah. So we'll we'll see how it goes. Uh, Moving on to best sound. We actually have the creator again in here. I think this is the only only other time that got nominated. So... Best Sound goes, uh, nominees are The Creator, Maestro, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Again, Oppenheimer, and The Zone of Interest. Um, so, again, no double sound categories, just one singular. Uh, any initial thoughts here, John, on the Best Sound nominees? Yeah,
0: sure. I mean, I jump right to Maestro and Oppenheimer. They're, like, explosive. One's literally about music. The other one, they won't turn the fucking music off the entire goddamn movie. So... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of great audio here. I really want to hear like your general opinions of the Zone of Interest because I haven't seen it. Everyone just keeps talking about, like, the movie is sound. The movie yeah. is nothing without the sound. So I'm like, okay. Does that mean it's the best sound, though? I don't know. That's a bigger
1: question. It's a very unique sound design. I have other feelings about the film, um, which we can get into later. But from a sound perspective, the movie opens with a I think it's like two or three minutes of just black screen and sound like that. And to me, when I was watching the movie, like that's where I was just like, whoa, this is like definitely supposed to make you feel a certain way. And it happens several times where it's just like kind of a blank screen and there's just sound like happening around you and you're trying to decipher what it is. There's a lot of like good sound design in the background uh, uh, and it sprinkles it in like that is all well done. Um, But to me, it just feels like the Oppenheimer, like that, test experience like it's kind of like i saw that in the biggest fucking imax screen i possibly could see and i'm so happy i did because the sound was just like boom like like it startled me the first time i saw the explosion go off um and it probably shook uh 68th street a lot too every time it went (laughs) off um so yeah uh yeah so it's an interesting year um maestro seems kind of like of course it's going to be there you know mission impossible getting a lot of love and interesting too that they kept the part one in the name when they just filed to make it just dead reckoning so the next mission impossible is not a part two (laughs) i don't know what that means
0: you'll have to wait until 2025 i think when it comes out
1: that's okay i can wait moving on to best film editing the nominees are anatomy of a fall the Holdovers, Killers of the Flower Moon, Oppenheimer, and Poor Things. Uh, Thelma Schoonmaker, just a queen in the editing category, nominated for Killers of the Flower Moon. So that's that's just the love I would love to give to her. Um, but any thoughts on the best uh, film editing nominees for this year? This is always one of those hard categories where
0: it's like such a toss-up, unless it's one of those movies that is kind of like an Oppenheimer, those like... This film is made in the editing room. It's all about pacing. It's all about keeping the thing rolling. And that definitely screams Oppenheimer. I think Poor Things, though, has really interesting editing where they kind of cut between these very random scenes. That Honestly, though, that, that kind of editing annoyed me in the movie. So I, I personally want to lean away from that. I love Killers of the Flower Moon. That's such a grand, big story that I think they do such a great job of kind of making it cohesive throughout. But from what I've heard, it seems like Anatomy of a Fall might take this. It seems like that movie is going to get a lot of love and nominations, but it's not going to win a lot, but it could win a a technical category like this. Interesting. And uh, The Holdovers, I mean, it's just such a wonderful movie. It's one of those movies where it's just, you're watching the editing and you're not really questioning it, but... It's just so authentic. I, I, that movie just feels so goddamn real. Everything feels so real about that movie in terms of the characters, its settings, like the feel of the seasons changing. It, it is so well done. So it's an interesting category. Anything else jumping out to you?
1: Uh, I, you know, It's interesting because I do think Oppenheimer is kind of the like heavy odds on favorite to take this. I think because... Mm-hmm. Of the weight that it carries and, and how it does pace it well um and for how long it is like it's pretty good in that third act they cut back and forth a lot um I, you know i'm looking back at past winners i mean last year we did have everything everywhere all at once but that editing was insane but we historically speaking though it's not it has not been a very common award to go with best picture but i do think it's the year of nolan a lot of people are going to be looking at it I, um, I don't know i think oppenheimer but i you know well i could be pleasantly surprised let's go with that i think of like dunkirk too which won both like yeah a sound production and
0: design too i think that year when they had both categories back then
1: yeah um yeah i won both so i don't know we'll, we'll see what happens but um i think that'll be an interesting race to follow uh moving on to best production design the nominees are barbie killers of the flower moon napoleon oppenheimer and poor things uh, to me this should be barbie but it seems like it's really not going to be barbie and that poor things is getting a lot of love in terms of the design which is sort of just like one's a clean looking barbie and one's like a disheveled looking barbie <laughs> kind of world so uh, <laughs> it's kind of which one do you like more um so what are your thoughts on production design
0: Napoleon jumped out to uh, to me right away. I mean, again, I haven't seen it, but that film, I've just heard it's so like artificial looking in a lot of ways and uses so much like green screening and background. So I'm curious now to watch that, like how much
1: physical, real production design there is in that movie. There's a lot. I mean, there, there still is a lot. I mean, the, the green screen is more think of it as the bigger the battles, yeah, the battles. Yeah. Like, like explosions like. trying to fill in like they'll have a city, but maybe there'll be some buildings that are painted on in the background type of thing. sure. I don't think I was impressed more by production design other than
0: Barbie and Poor Things. Obviously Barbie Dreamhouse is all the insane that com- all the insanity that comes out of, you know, designing Barbie Dreamhouses and everything like that. It's awesome. I really loved like the opening of that and seeing the whole world and they really showcase it right. Plus all the traveling scenes they do in that movie, it's like a continuing motif of amazing production design. It's yeah. awesome. But also like Poor Things is just insane. Nothing feels like more Otherworldly or alien, I think, out of any of the films this year, like Poor Things, it just feels truly like its, its own world. Which, I mean, that is high praise to make a r- world yeah. that feels like real, but also completely fantasy-like.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I really don't know. I feel like gut tells me Poor Things, but like, I, yeah, we'll see as it goes on. Some of these precursors answer uh, our questions. Uh, moving on to best original score. Um, this is a fun category so we have american fiction indiana jones and the dial of destiny killers of the flower moon oppenheimer and poor things um just for me I, I, one initial thing uh on poor things which you might be surprised to hear like oh i'm gonna talk on poor things i really like the score in that movie and they use some like really cool like analogy sounds and and effects uh especially with pianos i, I think they're using a lot of like vibrato and it really, like, kind of makes it, like, like ooh. Like, like it's 1950s, <laughs> 60s, like, sci-fi, like, you know, like, yeah you, you know what I'm talking about. Like, kind of like that sound, you know, that alien noise, like, the little beam sound. It's just, like, it feels alien. I think a lot of that is because of the score itself. So I will give some praise to that. Um, but Oppenheimer is, like, a banger, that score. I mean, they have a literal song called Can You Hear the Music? And that's, like, the main theme <laughs> of the entire thing. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Yeah, it's hard because that movie is – I already made a joke about it. It's just like completely score. That movie's like 90% music. I I honestly think there's – every scene there's almost music playing. So it is such an important driving element to the pacing the same way the editing is. So, yeah, I could see Oppenheimer kind of taking it. But, I mean, I love the score to Killers of the Flower Moon too, the constant like drumming, the the beats, and like the building up of tension. John Williams is like the weird – oddball that everyone's kind of throwing out there like why is he here i mean i'm just glad to see indy nominated here in the oscars because yeah. that movie just it, it broke my heart the way people reacted to that and leaving it you know the whole series like that was kind of sad for me but i personally loved it so i am happy to see that it kind of made at least one nomination here even though it's original score. But I don't think you've seen American fiction yet. And I think American fiction also could have a chance of of winning here as well. It is it's maybe the most like subtle score out of any film listed here. And I don't think we give enough love to those kind of like subtle themes and, you know, the character themes all throughout some of these movies that are a little more quiet. I think when you watch, you know the rest of these movies you are not going to miss the music. They're in your face. They're present but American fiction I think does a great job to like build up this kind of like bubbling anxiety that our main character has.
1: Right. Uh, so I did see American fiction. Oh and I, okay. and I loved it. Um, I love the music um, for those who may not know kind of the little bit of the wordplay with uh Jeffrey Wright's character. His name is Thelonious Monk Ellison. For those who may not know Thelonious Monk is one of the best jazz pianists in the entire history of music and composers. And a lot of the music to me was in that vein, um, in terms of like the sound, what they're trying to pull apart and, and showcase felt very Thelonious Monkey. And, uh, I was very, very impressed by that score. Um, another score I just want to shout out is Killers of the Flower Moon, uh, Robbie Robertson. Uh, Robbie Robertson was the guitarist for the band and, um, he fortunately died a couple months ago. Um, I think like right before the movie came out, um, which is sad, but he was a long collaborator with Scorsese. He's a rock and roll icon. Um, and this was kind of his like lasting gift and that score. I love just the the thumping, like just like syncopated just like rhythm throughout that's like this underlying like evilness that is lurking throughout. It is so well scored and using American South music using a lot of blues inspired sounds is uh, great i really enjoy it i thought it enhanced the movie a lot so i'm glad that he's getting recognized here uh posthumously um and speaking of just john williams and you know, jones he's john williams this is his 54th nomination who's gonna top that record and he's 91 now i've heard people say
0: that it's almost like ridiculous that he's nominated at this point and i've heard people even go as far as saying that it's it's almost taking away from his previous wins and nominations that they're like, Oh, he's John Williams. Just give it to him. And it's probably his last, like whatever.
1: Uh, I mean, maybe, but still like, I can't, he's like the composer of film, you know, I don't think it takes away. I mean, we have the Newman family who won, uh, or was nominated a crap ton. So he's just keeping that kind of like composer narrative alive in a way. Um, I digress. Let's move on to Best Original Song. Uh, this one... So I just want to start here. Uh, the first nomination was The Fire Inside from Flame and Hot. And on the broadcast, the audience went wild uh, for Diane Warren, who has been nominated just like John Williams almost like every year, but she has not won yet. So I wonder, is that a subtle little hint? Is that just like people being like, Yay, Diane Warren, you're the Meryl Streep of Best Original Song. Um, other nominees were I'm Just Ken from Barbie uh it never went away from american symphony uh waza for a song for my people from killers of the flower moon and then what was i made for which is also from barbie so kind of have to assume that one of the barbie songs is going to win now john which barbie song is going to win is the real question and which one should win <laughs>
0: what was i made for i think is going to win i think she's she already won the grammy i think for it if i remember correctly or was that the is that an Emmy that I'm thinking of? Or maybe I, think she won. I think she won the
1: Globe. I think she won the Globe for it.
0: Yeah. So maybe next year when the Grammys come, she might win for that as well. But yeah, yeah, it just seems like all the hype is around that song. It's a beautiful song. It's very well written. It's It fits the movie perfectly. It, it comes into the movie at like a very beautiful time. So it kind of connects I think I'm just Ken is just hilarious I think it's gonna be amazing to see Ryan Gosling up there singing the song like they do every year and showcasing each song individually I still need to watch *Flaming Hot so the fact that <laughs> *Flaming Hot even has an Oscar nomination is insane so props to that I mean that alone is, is pretty astonishing <laughs> yeah. but uh I'll definitely watch it now I'll go out of my way to watch that movie just because Oscar nominated now
1: yeah it's uh very fascinating i i'm pulling for i'm just ken but it definitely doesn't seem that way i don't know if that like people are like oh it's kind of like i'm just Ken. if that wins like a slap in the face it's like that but that was kind of like the showstopper to the entire movie it was kind of like a a big thing people talked about yeah uh so it, it's interesting how it like sort of shifted to billy eilish but the people behind i'm just ken like mark ronson is a legend in the music industry and he he won before for uh, Shallow from A Star Is Born. So again, maybe it's just like, well, they won before, but so did Billie Eilish. So I don't know. I It should be, I'm just canon. Yeah, I'm very excited for when that uh, is played at the Oscars. It's going to be a big moment. Uh, just like we don't talk about Bruno, which was not nominated. Bullshit on that part. Anyways, moving on to Best Makeup and Hairstyling. Uh, the nominees are Golda, Maestro, Oppenheimer, Poor Things, and Society of the Snow. Uh, John, any thoughts here on makeup and hairstyling? Yeah, I haven't seen Golda. I've
0: seen the rest. I was just talking to you before we started recording of Society of the Snow and how, like, realistic and authentic everything feels in that movie. And, honestly, the makeup's insane. Just, the, like, the cold special effects they do with the makeup on, like, their freezing noses, their breath, like, their frozen pieces on their beards at time. Like, it just looks so real. It makes the movie that much more disturbing, I think, and it really sells it because if you're looking at these actors and they're trying their hardest to sell that they're cold, to sell that, you know, they're frostbitten or whatever it is in the snow, you know, it only goes so far if the makeup looks bad. If the makeup looks extremely cheesy, it ruins the entire effect and in fact ruins the entire movie, and I think they do such a great job in that movie. Obviously, Poor Things jumps out at you because you have these like weird characters. William Defoe as like this father God character who's just so deformed, but uh, you kind of love him. Like I, I, don't think I've loved a deformed character as much as I loved God in Poor Things. Yeah. But you know, Oppenheimer is just kind of there, makeup, hairstyling, like it's all good and nothing really jumps out at me for Oppenheimer though. It's just it's you know fits the era. It's done very well maestro goes so far in the direction of just you know maybe even i would say over makeup and hairstyling like just get people that look closer to these people like honestly is how i felt watching that whole movie like you hire these actors you are the lead actor like i'll stop myself before i go too (laughs) down the rabbit hole of maestro but yeah yeah it's it's a tough one if i had to pick like one of my favorites obviously is society of the snow but i feel like Oppenheimer might win this might win this category though just because of its like authentic uh, depiction of that time period
1: that's really interesting that you say that Um, because it does seem like and people love controversy Maestro should be taking this because of the amount of like talk there was about it before the movie and the fact that it's lasted Um, I would I would think that's gonna be the winner but I would love to see Oppenheimer that would add to my uh big prediction that i'll reveal at the end of uh the episode uh moving on to best costume design we have barbie kills the flower moon napoleon oppenheimer and poor things i feel like i'm just gonna say those five every single category Uh, (laughs) but i think this is the same production design dilemma where it i like barbie a lot and i love the costumes i the attention to detail is insane in that movie and how they recreate all those clothes is great, but it also feels like oh, but poor things is like a twisted version of it and has more uh, finesse almost. It you know pops a little bit more surprisingly than Barbie, at least to me. Um, but I would rather Barbie win. So, any thoughts on the costume design here uh, in this category? Barbie's the best. Barbie's winning. Barbie rocks. <laughs> I hope so. I really do. I I hope it. I hope it does. But I won't be surprised <laughs> if it doesn't. So, moving on to a very fascinating category, Best Cinematography. The nominees are El Conde, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro Oppenheimer, and Poor Things. John, kick us off with Best Cinematography. Man,
0: El Conde just like thrown in there. I had people text me today being like, what, the, what is that movie? Where did that come from? Out of nowhere. I was like, yeah, dude, I don't think anyone really expected this to kind of get thrown into the mix i'll definitely consider watching that you won't because it's on netflix so forget about that then <laughs> i mean i'll try this right it's one of those categories where it's hard for me to not look beyond the list because like, of course these are all shot so well these are all such phenomenal directors who are making these films so they're obviously going to get the highest and the best talent you could possibly get so obviously these movies are beautiful i just kind of think of the films that weren't nominated and i like wonder the reasoning behind them and i wish i knew the data to see like how close was past lives because that movie is shot beautifully it may be like a little too like on the nose in terms of its cinematography but i thought that movie was stunning it was beautiful it showcased you know new york city in such a beautiful way and then you look at other films you know i mean i think of like American fiction is also shot really well. It's just not very flashy. It's not very interesting in that way. I mean, the only thing that really jumps at me is poor things just because I'm kind of over his use of this fisheye lens. It's just it's just incoherent to me, like why he uses this so often over and over again. So that's kind of my biggest really like I thought it was shot well, but it just it seems so excessive in the way they use it. But who knows? That could be yeah. the editing less of the cinematography. But what do you think?
1: Yeah, I feel similarly about poor things um, and just the use of that camera shot, whether it was using a 360 camera, fisheye, whatever. It was just a little overused. Um, I like Oppenheimer still here. You know, it's big shot on IMAX film. it It lends itself to being like the obvious choice. And some of the special effects they did, which were real effects using, you know, real chemistry uh what wh- whether it's fission or fusion i guess they were trying to represent uh they were doing that like real with like you know very close you know extreme close-ups to the what, what they were doing for special effects so it's it's really well done um so to me it, it kind of s- seems like it's oppenheimer because of all the praise it's getting like this feels like a good pillar for it to win on
0: yeah most likely yeah also a shout out to the creator same dp as the batman It's beautiful. It's shot so well, and it's shot on not a very expensive camera. I thought that could have been a very cool nomination to throw throw that out there because I think they shot it on like a Sony F5 or something. A camera that is affordable for for most, you know, quote, people. But uh, that, I think, is a huge testament of what you can do in filmmaking nowadays. So I just want to give another nod to the
1: creator. Absolutely. Um, Moving on to best documentary short film. Uh, the nominees are the EBC's of Book Burning, a book banning. Excuse me, The Barber of Little Rock, Island in Between, The Last Repair Shop, and Nai Nai and Waipo. Um, any thoughts on best documentary short film? Well,
0: I'm I've been fascinated lately with book burning, um, just a book banning. You got me thinking of book burning now. <laughs> one in the same, in a way. Literally, one in the same. They're basically the same thing, right? i just been thinking a lot about that, so I will go out of my way to probably watch that short documentary, but, you know, we haven't watched any of these. We don't really kind of dive deep into short films, let alone documentary short films. So, yeah, yeah not much to say. Not much to say. Excited to see who wins, though.
1: Yeah, definitely one of my uh, favorite uh, nights of the year is going to, like, the theater that is showing all of them, like, back-to-back. It's a good two hours, so we'll be looking for those. Uh, same thing for Best Live Action Short Film. The nominees are The After, Invincible, and night of fortune red white and blue and the wonderful story of henry sugar uh interesting uh with wes anderson being nominated for the wonderful story of henry sugar kind of points to the big name in the category probably gonna win yeah it's interesting especially the fact that he had a
0: movie release last year as well and
1: Don't people loved
0: that. that movie that got great reviews people loved it but it is nowhere to be seen anywhere else you know
1: It's always it's always interesting how people receive uh, Wes Anderson movies. But moving on to best animated short film, we have Letter to a Pig, 95 Senses, Our Uniform. I'm going to pronounce this one wrong. uh, Patchy Derm" and War is Over, inspired by the music of John and Yoko. Uh, Any thoughts here, John, on the best animated short film category?
0: Who cares about the music of John and Yoko? Like, Excuse who me. Who cares about
1: her music? I,
0: I care about it's John's music. music. I don't care about her music. Gary, yeah, she ruined the Beatles. That's all oh I got to say. Oh, my God.
1: Oh, wow. <laughs> That's another podcast. Uh, <laughs> moving on to best international feature film. We have Io Capitano, Perfect Days, Society of the Snow, The Teacher's Lounge, and The Zone of Interest, which is a UK film, but all in German. always fascinated how they pull these ones off uh any thoughts on the best international feature film category
0: yeah i was listening to someone's take on this today i forget who it was but the fact that anatomy of a fall wasn't listed because another film that they nominated instead i think was like the taste of things or something like that yeah Um, i think it was that movie instead they nominated that and you can only nominate one film as a foreign country so it's funny if they nominated the more popular film it might have won uh this category and it's now just nowhere to be seen this seems like a just downright lock for the zone of interest because zone of interest is all over this year it it got a lot more nominations than i was expecting i haven't seen it yet so i would pick society of the snow because it is wonderful and it's it's completely in spanish and i was shocked by that. I did not know it was not American film, so I was pleasantly su- pleasantly surprised by that. And it was one of the few foreign films that I watched uh, this past year. But yeah, that's about it. What do you think?
1: Yeah, it seemed like Anatomy of a Fall should have been in this category, but there were some. It seemed like there was political reasons that the film wasn't picked by uh, by France. Um, so th- that's another deep dive, I guess I can go into um so yeah i should have been there but excited to see some of these uh movies perfect days i've seen the trailer a few times and i'm really really interested in that movie that looks like a very you know endearing uh type of film uh but i of not interest to win i mean i've said it a bunch of times in the past few ceremonies that we talked about that from now on if there is a best international feature film that is also nominated for best picture it will win international feature film the math adds up Locked it it's a, in. it's a locked in Moving on to Best Documentary Feature Film. This one went to Bo- the nominees were Bobby Wine, The People's President, The Eternal Memory, Four Daughters, To Kill a Tiger, and 20 Days and Mary So, John, any thoughts here on the Documentary Feature Film category? Not a clue. Good for these people for being nominated. Love it, John. Uh, so, yeah, I kind of I need to take a deep dive into these movies, and I'm sure they're all fantastic in their own ways. Moving on to the Best Animated Feature category, nominees are The Boy and the Heron, Elemental, Nomona, Robot Dreams, and Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. John, what do you think of the Best Animated Feature category?
0: Obviously, I love my superheroes. I love my Spidey people, my Spidey men, my Spidey women. I mean, personally, I really want Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse to win. That would be... A, a kind of dream come true. I know, I know it won previously, but to see it continue to go on, and then maybe a third film come out, and it's also on this level, very, very cool, and it's amazing. And I think it shows that superhero content, you know, even though it's specifically animated feature, a superhero film can be of this cal, cali- you know, of this caliber. The Batman should have been nominated for best picture. <laughs> films can be, you know, superhero films can be on this caliber. So yes. The only other film I saw in here is Elemental, and um, wonderful animation uh i just didn't like the film as much as i love the animation yeah what about
1: you I, I love the boar and the heron and i love spider-man so if it's gonna be one of those two uh i think it's gonna be spider-man but it'd be cool to see miyazaki win another oscar um elemental i wasn't a huge fan of i need to see the other two uh just a little shout out because i enjoyed the movie which was migration just a fun time uh i don't know if you saw migration but it was just a cute little fun kids movie and uh I don't know. Maybe Illumination is just kind of like uh, they're misstepping on their game right now. I haven't been nominated in a bit, it feels like. Moving on to Best Writing Original Screenplay, the nominees are Anatomy of a Fall, The Holdovers, Maestro, May, December, and Past Lives. John, what do you think of this category?
0: This is interesting. This is very, very interesting. We're We're mixing it up here. No, we're not. It's the same movies that we keep seeing over and over and over. I mean, I, again, it's my favorite film of last year's, Past Lives, just a beautiful, personable movie. You know, there's only two movies here that are written by one person, Holdovers and Past Lives. And I think they feel the most personal. They feel directly from someone's lives, from their hearts, from their experiences. And God, man, what a what a beautiful, touching movie. Both of those movies. They're so well-written and they're so deep. They're the kind of writing It's like, God, man. Sometimes, like, we don't deserve this. Like, we get so much slop every year in terms of writing. And then you get movies like this and it's just like, God, we are just so lucky that we have writers like this. And it's a hard category because I also love May, December. I think Maestro was was written well. I didn't love the film that much, but I thought it was written well. And I can't wait to see Anatomy of a Fall, but... Man, the, it's, this is a tough one. If I had to really pick like my favorite out of the four I've seen, and I, I would still probably go with Past Lives, but the holdovers—it's like right there, right there.
1: I think the holdovers seems to have the best chance because of it. Seems like locked in for supporting actress, and Giamatti is battling with the Killian Murphy for actor. They're mm-hmm. the top two, so it feels like that this could have you know because Giamatti doesn't get it, maybe give it to the holdovers for screenplay. Um, past lives. I would love to see that. Absolutely, would love to see that win. Um, but I don't think it will. I was interested though at the time. You know that Barbie was an adapted screenplay. Is I I get it's based off of a toy, but there's not really a story that it's based off of. But I thought adapted on fucking what, dude? Exactly. That's it. Should be if original. Barbie is
0: an adapted screenplay. Then Maestro should be an adapted screenplay because good, good point. the guy was a real person. And we're going to say you can't draw from more real experiences than you can from Barbie? That makes no sense. Like, maybe Barbie has had animated movies. There's maybe some stories written on the back of some Barbie boxes. But you're telling me that is adapted? Adapted on what? Point to me where it is adapted from. That She wears pink. She's a girl. Ken dolls have jobs. And she has a Barbie dream house. Those are like the only things you know about Barbie. And yes, they're in the movie, but what are they adapting? You know, yeah. like, it's crazy. That
1: makes no sense. The Oscar is listed as based on characters
0: created by Ruth Handler. So it, they're saying it's purely because the character is based by is like created and based on something else entirely. Yeah, I guess so. That's that's their reasoning. But that opens such a huge can of worms. because oh, yeah. It's like there's so many characters based on other people. So now we have to find a character who's like maybe a comic book character, an animated character that got brought to life. It's also not even a film character that they're talking about. So it's just,
1: yeah, man. It's fascinating. It'll it'll be a fascinating race. But let's move on to, I guess, two best adapted screenplay. So the nominees are American Fiction, Barbie, Oppenheimer, Poor Things, and The Zone of Interest. I don't know who's winning this category. This could be a toss-up between all five. And I wouldn't be surprised by all five of them winning. Uh, maybe Zone of Interest I'd be a little shocked by. But the other four, I would not be surprised of them winning. What what, what do you think? What do you feel? I'm going to go American Fiction. Nice.
0: I I love, you know, all these movies. haven't seen Zone of Interest yet. But they're all very well written. I think Poor Things kind of, like, lacks the third act for me. And that kind of movie falls apart. I think Oppenheimer is just overwritten, if I'm being honest. I think Barbie is just so wonderfully written and the fact that they put this into adapted screenplay again, it annoys me so much,
1: it annoys me so much, but maybe, it we'll just walk way... away. maybe we'll walk away with the window because
0: they're like trying to, and beat... maybe that's the reason they did this and yeah. that's possible because like that is possible. They have the power to align where these go. They may not have the exact power to like cheat and pick who's the winner, but they can organize it, you know. The same way maybe Angela Bassett won her honor- honorary Oscar this year because she was heavily snubbed and people were so pissed that she didn't win Best Supporting Actress for Wakanda
1: uh, you know forever. Not, you know who's not pissed about that? Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, no shit she's not. Bull... And Angela Bassett probably doesn't give a shit now. Bullshit. that that happen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we didn't talk I... about the honorary awards, but I, I think that is a clear example of, you know, We like you, we're sorry you didn't win, we will pull some strings for you, and I don't think she doesn't deserve it, she's a wonderful actress, she's fantastic, and I I do agree she probably should have won over Jamie Lee Curtis as much as I love her, and especially in that movie, but it's just, you can kind of, this is what I'm basically trying to summarize, that the Academy is not a fraudulent system, they don't cheat, they don't, maybe they have in the past, I would, I'm certainly (laughs) sure they probably have in the past, right, I think nowadays, though, there are so many people here and there's so many eyes that if they were to do anything suspicious like that, it would be caught so quickly by someone, by the press, by someone who's a leaker. Who knows? I think that they just know how to funnel things, right? They know that, oh, people are pissed by Angel Bassett. We'll give her the honorary award next year. Oh, Barbie wouldn't have a chance to win an original screenplay. Eh, we'll just say this specific reason to put it in an adapt- adapted screenplay. So... I think they know how to funnel things properly and I think you know that is probably why these things have shaped up that way but in terms of adapted screenplay I'm gonna go with American Fiction. I think it's one of the most like poignant films. I think it has maybe the biggest message besides like maybe Origin and Barbie this year and it is just such a well-written film from the you know, melodrama to the family all the way down to the social co- commentary that's throughout the film. So check out American
1: fiction. If you have it moving on to best actress in a supporting role, being nominees are Emily Blunt and Oppenheimer, Danielle Brooks in the color purple, America Ferreira and Barbie, Jody Foster, in Nyad and DeV Joy Randolph from the holdovers. It seems like it's going to be uh Devine Jordan Randolph to win this. She's been, the heavy favorite, uh, John. What are your thoughts on the holdovers for us non-holdover watchers? For just man. a little bit more,
0: man, beautiful, beautiful, and she—it's a wonderful character. It's a great performance. You know, it would be really perfect if she won. I think not only just because she's like this perfect, you know, actor to be uh, kind of lifted to this level and kind of continue her career and get better and better roles, but she's also just fantastic. The movie's fantastic. Everything about that movie is just. Chef's kiss. It's so beautiful. The weird one, I think we got to talk about America Ferreira. I think she's great in Barbie. She's amazing. I had someone tell me this today, and he said, like, I think when you're nominated for Best Actress, Best Actor, you know, or the supporting roles, that it should be a performance that's so good, you know, because every nomination is going to be a great performance. Usually bad performances don't get nominated. You know, most people agree on that. But he said that he believes that the performance itself should be by an actor that you can't imagine is replaced by another actor. So when you look at that America Ferrera's role in Barbie, there's like 50 other actresses, I think, that could have done that role just as well. I don't agree with that. I'm just kind of throwing that as like this is an outsider's point of view on these categories. But, yeah, I'm curious your thoughts on that. I just think it's odd that she's kind of nominated. I think there's a lot of other people you could have pulled.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's a a good sentiment to have that, you know, that they should, that they, without them in the movie, and you take them away, it's a totally different movie. I think it's a good sentiment. You know, I don't want to bash America Ferrera Like, she was very good. Like, she was good in the movie. There's nothing, like, wrong, but she wasn't, like, the movie. I wasn't coming out of that being like, oh, America Ferrera like, really I mean, she had, like, you know, the one good monolog thing. That was kind of it. It wasn't, like, anything, like... Wow, that was you know amazing, um, but I also she's probably not gonna win this category, so it almost feels kind of like, eh. Yeah, like it no, should I think it, that's totally fair. Like it shouldn't really be like oh like how does you know Margot not get nominated but America does? It's just like oh it's a shame that Margot didn't get nominated and what Ryan Gosling did, but it's great that America did. Like good for
0: her. Yeah, definitely. I think you're right. I think there's definitely other people I probably would have pulled in over her. I don't really rub into it that much. I thought she was like a, a great, you know, mother for the film. That movie just really focuses on that like mother-daughter and grandmother kind of relationship. And she plays perfectly. That montage or the uh, big monologue I think is definitely overwritten and a little too on the nose. But that That's the writing. It's has nothing to do with her. I think it's, it's a really extremely powerful moment in that film. And I think she does a great job. And I think everyone just remembers that, you know, they remembered that moment from Barbie and her impassionate speech and it affected people. I don't think there's really any other dialogue from this year. I don't know. This is an interesting thing to throw out. But in terms of not a scene, not even like a piece of dialogue that has been kind of talked about or quoted this year. Can you think of like anything else that kind of comes close to this big, grand kind of uh female empowerment speech that she gives in Barbie.
1: Mm, no, not nothing jumps to mind like right now, but that's what yeah. I mean. It was like, it, w- it was a good, like she does the job for the film and it's not bad, but it's not like to the next level, I guess.
0: Yeah, sure. It's also a very straightforward kind of character. It's just like, she's a mother. She does this. She's very much a, a plot device to kind of get you to emotional
1: moments throughout the film. Um, So very important, but let's move on Moving on to Best Actor in a Supporting Role The nominees are Sterling K. Brown in American Fiction Robert De Niro in Killers of the Flower Moon Robert Downey Jr. in Oppenheimer Ryan Gosling in Barbie And Mark Ruffalo in Poor Things Um, I'm just going to say this is a big win for Marvel fans RDJ is walking away (laughs) from Oscar It is signed, sealed, and delivered I don't know, man. People are talking about Ryan Gosling still. They're talking about it, but it's uh, no RDJ. I think people are going to be like, oh, yeah, Ken's great. But it's like, did you see what Robert Downey Jr. did? Like how he kind of like became a totally different person than what we've seen the last 20 years. Great.
0: (laughs) No, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I wouldn't argue with that. I think he's going to win. I think it's a great performance. And, yeah, I don't think there's much else to say other than... Robert De Niro is Robert De Niro. Ryan Gosling is Ken, and he does such a great job. That isn't that is an actor that I'm like, man, not many pl- people could have done that role. In yeah, Canada's oh, he was.
1: He... I'm not trying to take away, like he was phenomenal, and like maybe another year would we'll be taken away, but maybe I'll be surprised. But it just feels like RDJ is kind of just uh, you know taking this right to the bank.
0: Yeah, I get that. I think Mark Ruffalo played one of my favorite characters this oh, year in film. He was so funny in Poor Things. I thought he was hysterical. I don't think it's it's his year, but I'm glad that that performance, that character is nominated. And a huge shout out to Sterling K. Brown Absolutely. from American Fiction. He is such an interesting character. He he. In terms of supporting characters, I don't know if I've thought about a supporting character more than I've thought about him in any film from last year he is like a character who maybe has I don't know six seven scenes in the whole movie he is not like even a very predominant uh, figure I'll say throughout but he, when he does show up and he's making these appearances he's very integral to this family and it's super super well written and he he plays a character that I don't think we've really seen from him yet too which
1: also was really great to see it's this like explosive like gay man it was awesome yeah. No, I, I, I 100% agree. I love Sterling K. Brown. And the film, you know, jumping to De Niro, I, is he there because he's De Niro? Or is he. Like, I didn't think that was the best role I've seen from him, but I also. What what could have gotten, I guess, Willem Dafoe could have been the other person to get in there. I over think him. so. But, um, I probably would have put him over. Yeah. But De Niro, I mean, it's De Niro, so everyone's going to be like, oh, it's the name. We want to see him there.
0: I think the issue for me was that that his performance was great there's definitely like moments of real menace and scariness his character just never gets there though you know he never hits that like level 11 yeah. you know he's so reserved that like you you want him as a villain to just get that slimy and gross but he just never does so you never get that like oh that's that Robert de niro that i love that
1: psychopath you know i love that
0: and he never his character just doesn't get there
1: I don't know, I thought spanking Leo with a paddle was... Uh, <laughs> maybe,
0: yeah, maybe the highlight of his
1: performance, yeah. Spoiler. You <laughs> <bastard>. <laughs> Moving on to Best Actress in a Leading Role. The nominees are Annette Bening in Nyad, Lily Gladstone in Killers of the Flower Moon, Sandra Holler for Anatomy of a Fall, Carrie Mulligan for Maestro, and Emma Stone for Poor Things. We talked about uh, Margot Robbie not being in this category, but... Still a strong list. Still a strong list. John, what are your thoughts on the Best Actress category? Man.
0: I think, I mean, it feels like Lily Gladstone has just had it locked. But yeah. now Emma Stone, people love her so freaking much. How can you not? She's so charming. And She's I, so good in poor things.
1: I got, but that, you know, I didn't like poor things. So, <laughs> and to me, she didn't do anything that was, like, spectacular. She's very, like... Deadpan. So I guess are you praising her because she's deadpan for most of the other movie? Like, well, I I think this this is what it is. This is my take
0: because actors are nominating actors. You know, people that are in the Academy are actors, and they look at this performance, and it's obviously one. It's a very like playful, showy performance. You know, there's actors who do like you know they act as a child to be warmed up. You know, do demonstrations. You know what I mean? So it kind of draws from that like very actor kind of like vibe of like slowly trying to develop this character but instead of doing it behind the scenes and then getting to the full fleshed out character they get to like do that in the film and I think people realize how hard that is when you're shooting films out of order and she had to like categorize the character and like what state she was in and it wasn't just like her voice that changed it wasn't just her movements it was like her everything you know her body language the way she walked the way she talked the way she moves her face like the more expressive she gets i think that's why the film even works is because her performance is that good
1: yeah <laughs> it still didn't work for me because then in that same sense, why not put natalie portman in this category she's doing the other side of acting and preparing Yeah, but that's like the dark side, right? That's like the I like dark, like give me dark
0: gross commentary on actors, though. Yes, yes. And and think spoiler, like think of the way that movie ends, and it's like she's just wants to be in that moment and you can really read that as a very negative way to look on actors the way that movie ends. I
1: mean so but, But then we love roles like what Natalie Portman did in Black Swan, what Heath Ledger did with the Joker. These are like sick fucks that like that, that like yeah. we like we like when they do it but because it's like about acting themselves they are like oh no we can't, we can't do that but we like that Emma Stone is flopping around on the ground like a two-year-old <laughs> that's acting like give me a break so
0: um I, I appreciate I, your passion you've been the most passionate about this than anything tonight uh, I'm with, poor things. with poor <laughs> yeah, things. just with her performance too
1: because I, I mean I'll even say it about Lily Gladstone I don't think it's like that crazy of a performance that we have gotten like you know, it's no Michelle Yeoh from last year. It's not like a Francis McDormand from both Three Ebbings and Nomadland. Like, those are fucking great performances. Those are heavy. The, the, there's there's so much there. And I feel like like Lily Gladstone's like, really good. I think one of my issues with that movie is, is that there's too it, – it takes too broad a, of an emotional stroke at times and for narrative's sake to, like, tell, you know, what's going on, to showcase what's going on. But I feel like Lily Gladstone could have done, you know, could have done better in her role, but she's still great. So, um, yeah, I I do feel strongly about poor things. I just I don't get it. I really don't get it. And um, it's interesting to see people's reactions because another thing that I thought of is that isn't poor things just Barbie in a way? Similar. I mean, I would say that Mark Robbie did. Like what? Because Margot Robbie wasn't, you know, getting nude and having sex in the in the movie. Is that why? Like, if that's why, that's like, a little fucked up. They're they definitely have similar
0: commentary. I mean, I think they're both like very like feminist films that talk about yeah. like gender roles and what it's like to be a woman and. I understand the analogy. I do. And I think Margot Robbie should be nominated. So, I, like I said, get any Naiad yeah. reference out of here. Sorry. That's just my ongoing bit. I don't know anything about that movie. It's about swimming and it's on Netflix. <laughs> that's, that's literally all I know. Oh gosh, I love Annette Benning though. I have to watch this movie now, and it turns yeah. out it'll be like one of my favorites of last year.
1: Well, it's also like interesting too. Like, look at like what's getting nominated in terms of, or what's being heavily criticized. It's like these Netflix movies that are easy for these voters to watch and look at. It's easy to see a movie with you know Jodie Foster and Annette Bening when it's on Netflix. But am I going to pile, you know, go through these screeners and look at past lives from a couple months ago? Probably not. I know Annette Benning. I know Jodie Foster. They're great. Who's quite elite? Like, that's what the voting base is like, is probably going through in their heads. It's because like, they're actors. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, it, it, it's because it, they're it's, fucking actors. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> Moving on. I hope they get this one right. So, best way, the, oh,
0: oh. the last thing I want to say is yeah. that I feel like the performance that you're probably looking for is I don't know how to pronounce her last name. Sorry. Sandra Huler so <laughs> Holler Sandra
1: holer I hope she wins. Holler. So you have to figure it out. I think yeah, I have no no clue. I think it's Sandra Hewler. I think it's like a, I think yeah, like a Bueller.
0: Everyone's talking about like her performance, right? And they and they talk about her, and she's also in Zone of Interest, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know if I made that up, but uh, she is supposed to be ama- amazing in Anatomy of a Fall, and that seems like that kind of performance where it's like, whoa! I don't even know who this actor is, this actress is, and. Boom! This is a phenomenal, very dramatic performance. So
1: yeah, I'm she excited is in, for
0: both of us to watch that and then get to uh, talk about it for our uh, predictions.
1: Yes, yeah, she is also in the zone of interest. Um, so now moving on to best actor in a leading role, the nominees are Bradley Cooper for Maestro, Coleman Domingo for Rustin, Paul Giamatti for The Holdovers, Killian Murphy for Oppenheimer, and Jeffrey Wright for American Fiction. Uh, I have a Totally know who you want to talk about right now. I know it, so let it go, John. Let it all out. <laughs> who do you think I'm gonna talk about? No, Jeffrey I don't care who you think I care Jeffrey about? Jeffrey Wright. Oh, okay. I was like, this could go a lot of
0: ways. I was kind of bashing Bradley Cooper. And
1: I love Bradley Cooper. Yeah, but you love Jeffrey Wright. You want to oh, All I've heard about is like you think it's his best performance ever.
0: Oh, it's definitely his best performance. I mean, he has I don't even know. When's the last time he's gotten like a full-fledged lead performance like this? I'm blanking on a really early film. It may be one of his first, if not first feature film. Um, It's about an artist. He was a really famous artist. I'm really blanking on his name right now, but it's annoying me. Um, He just never gets to be a lead actor, right? He doesn't get to showcase and flex these kind of lead actor muscles where he gets to have the smaller moments, the time to just kind of like reflect and... It's such an interesting story. He's it's such a funny performance too, and he's such a curmudgeon. And he plays that role of a curmudgeon, someone who like doesn't want to be there, who's just annoyed at a lot of things. So I love that aspect of his character, so that just immediately kind of draws me in. And I think it's a very complex role, the way it deals with, you know, social issues as well as a family melodrama. And I think he does such a great job of kind of being that soft, supportive son to his mother while also being so like so flagrant in the way he expresses his opinions and the way he will like no matter what talk about how he feels and i love that uh, about his character but i know who you want to talk about
1: talk about oppenheimer again Uh, of course (laughs) killian murphy the uh the star of the year i mean i think it's a great performance he commands the screen so well It, it it the the facial expressions the, the body language is a troubled man with a humongous ego and it's like it's like watching Lawrence of Arabia. I, I made that comparison before that he feels like the archetype is Lawrence from Lawrence of Arabia that that's what this Oppenheimer character is based off of. It is it it's so grand and and I loved it and I and I think seeing you know seeing his him in other roles films tv shows he is so good he is so good and so to get this kind of recognition to me is like would be the ultimate praise and would really cap off uh, a great evening uh because we kind of know some of the other winners for or the wins that Oppenheimer will get like I think this one is still a toss-up so yeah I really want Killing Murphy to win Giamatti though seems to be the second in terms of who could win this over Murphy what are your thoughts on Giamatti
0: man you are going to love him yeah, in I'm this sure. movie. You are going to love it. He is such a freaking hoot, man. Definitely probably the funniest character out of any of these. He's just such an amazing actor. He's already won an an Oscar, I believe, right? So, no, he's never won. No, he's never won? He's no. won Golden Globes before. I think two. Right? He won for John Adams, that show. Which, amazing show, if you've never yeah. seen John Adams. So yeah. damn good. So, I would love to see it. The fact that he's also never won, I think, also kind of goes up in the air. I think he's more recognizable as a name on paper, too, for actors. But everyone's seen Oppenheimer. Everyone's talking about it. Everyone's talking about his performance. Everyone's talking about how great that movie was. So, I think it's pretty much a lock. Um, um But besides so- that, I think it's like coleman domingo that's like the random you know nominee in here or it's like don't know much about rustin really got to
1: check that out yeah that's a movie that i've to check out as well uh, john let me ask you this quick little trivia so giamatti was nominated before once uh in best supporting actor you want to take a stab at what movie that is sideways nope yeah you C- probably would have been the lead actor it's a uh, cinderella man Planet of the apes no, oh, I love Cinderella. <laughs> <laughs> Cinderella, man. I love that movie. Yeah, he was nominated for Best Supporting Actor, 2006. Oh,
0: man. That was like one of my favorite movies growing up. That's such a beautiful movie.
1: Pretty loose. He lost to George Clooney in uh, Syriana. Bullshit. <laughs> hey, that was, a, that was a good year. I mean, we have... Uh, well, besides Crash, because Matt Dillon and Crash, but we also have Jake Gyllenhaal in *Brokeback Mountain*. Great performance. William Hurt in *A History of Violence*. So, some good, good, good performances that year. Uh, but let's move on to Best Director. The nominees are Justine Trier for *Anatomy of a Fall*, Martin Scorsese for *Killers of the Flower Moon*, Christopher Nolan for *Oppenheimer*, Yorgos Lanthimos for *Poor Things*, and Jonathan Glazer for *The Zone of Interest*. Do we really need to talk about this in terms of, <laughs> if you had to pick who's going to upset Nolan, who, who would you pick out of these four? Man, that is a great question.
0: That is a great question. Scorsese's been nominated 10 times for Best Director now. Honestly, I might say like Yorgos Lanthimos, Because people... Love that movie. It seems like actors love that movie. Insiders have been talking about it for such a long time. And he's such a stylistic director. He's truly like one of our few auteurs that are still around. And I think they might kind of push it and give it to him. But it could be Anatomy of Fall. I think she did such a great job. She's like, you know, the one and only female here. And people, again, that film has stuck around for a long time. So... I think I would go with ghost. So what about you?
1: Um, out of these, I think it. It's gonna sound kind of crazy, but this like Jonathan Glazer love that he's getting feels like, oh, if we were to do something crazy, which they're not. Um, could be him. I'm looking for like, the odds to like who would win best director, like what sports books have, and Christopher Nolan is, and I don't know if you know what minus five thousand means. It means he had to put mm-hmm. down $5,000 just to win 100 bucks. Whoa. Yeah. Jesus. So he is, the next guy is Yorgo's Lanthimos at plus 1200 So that is a long shot to win. Wow. So it, it, wow. it's locked up. It's locked up. It, it's Christopher Nolan. There's like really no other way it could go. It would be a shock.
0: I'm like shocked by that betting statistics. I'm also shocked that I was right. If that's your gross as second, obviously yeah. very far behind second, but that's still
1: really interesting. Yeah. It's, it, it seems so decided and I forget where I saw, but it was just like the amount of precursors that Nolan's getting nominated for is like, he's the only one getting all like all of them. We'll find out when the DGA gives out their award, but they, they're going to give it to Nolan. The Baptist is going to give it to Nolan. It, it's going to be, it's going to be a Nolan Palooza. Uh, and deservedly so. And, his, and I know you'll love this as just an industry background. First movie, not with Warner Brothers. And he does this. Yeah.
0: Crazy. When you think about it that way, too, they're pissed. <laughs>
1: oh, they must be fucking furious. <laughs> furious, too, because, like, their director for Barbie didn't get nominated. Yeah. That is ultimate double blow. Yeah. So i don't know nolan's gonna walk away with a bunch but let's move on to the last category the top prize of the evening best picture the nominees are american fiction anatomy of the fall barbie the holdovers killers of the flower moon maestro oppenheimer past lives poor things and the zone of interest john first any snubs from this category that you think should have been there or do you think this is the right 10? See, It's exactly what I expected, really. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I th- exactly what I thought as well. Um, so it was really like no surprises here. Um, but again, we can talk about now the race is it's Oppenheimer. Yeah, it's Oppenheimer until tell me otherwise. Looking at, I don't know, let's go look at the odds again. The number two to potentially win is poor things interesting but I, I don't i don't
0: i don't think that will happen i want to ask you a couple of things yeah well one i was first going to ask like what's the best movie on this list your favorite movie is on this list and that's oppenheimer
1: yeah but like past lives was my number two of the year so pretty happy with that and american yeah. fiction would be my i think my third choice here and then Barman. wow i think american really fiction awesome. american fiction was awesome i was I loved it. I I love and the the theater that I watched in was hilarious to see uh, the reactions to some people and (laughs) see how maybe it's like "Hmm, this is talking about all of you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love that. So I wanted to ask
0: best. Obviously, it's going to be our favorites. If you haven't watched our favorite films of 2023, go check that episode out. Uh, My favorite was past lives. So that would be uh, the one for me here on the, the 10 films. Now, the, question, the second question I want to ask, I was originally going to say, like, what's the worst film on this list? But I'll rephrase it as this, because I try I try to stay away from the negative as much as possible. What's the film that shouldn't be nominated here?
1: Oh. Oh, that's an interesting take. Um. I think Maestro, honestly, is, like, the one that seems like i mean, I get why it does end up there but bradley cooper didn't get directing uh nomination yeah so it, you know i to me like that's the uh, honestly out of the as much as i don't like poor things in zone of interest i think maestro is actually poorer in terms of uh quality and like what what's going on the movie is all just <laughs> visuals and no no real substance which is i, I it's like shocking almost yeah you know, it how, is how little substance there is. Um, so yeah, I, w- I would, I go with Maestro. Maestro is the odd one out for me. What about you? I felt exactly the same to you. Yeah.
0: I felt like the film was not only felt kind of pretentious and full of itself in terms of the way it was made. I didn't, I didn't really buy into honestly the love story. Cause I don't think we really went deep enough into it. I don't think we went deep enough into his character to really be that invested with him as a character. And it felt so artificial in a way from just how over stylized everything was from the makeup to just the like intense cinematography that felt like didn't match the rest of the movie like this is like very like floral like constantly moving around like and I'm like this, the rest of this movie though is so slow and just still and I get that's why you're trying to do that but anyway I don't want to go too far down that uh, <laughs> maestro <laughs> rabbit hole because I do believe that's the film that shouldn't be here shouldn't be on the list but the last question of the three I wanted to ask you is yeah. what's the most pretentious movie out of the ten
1: oh, it's so funny um, I'm not saying that it is but uh, I was reading um, shout out I think it was Ben Zausmer, who does Oscar math. I think I saw from him tweeted out that American fiction is the first movie to be nominated for Best Picture and have the term Oscar bait said in the movie.
0: Wow, that's so interesting.
1: <laughs> um, but in terms of... I guess what well, your question is more like what, the most pretentious?
0: Yes, like what do you think is the most pretentious? That the oh, most poor things.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Poor. It, it's completely just yaris lanthimos is great but that movie is so just like let me just showcase what i can do and let me do all this and again i did not think the substance of that movie was anything special and i think that it really didn't propose anything new anything that i wasn't aware of and it was just all visuals and um so to me it was just like you could have really done a lot more so to me that was the most like pretentious one I guess you could say Maestro is also pretty pretentious, but that one we also just said was didn't deserve to be there. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the Zone of Interest,
0: just based off of the black screens. The, but
1: but know. I was saying how well directed the movie is. I was saying that it it it, it is technically well done. It's the, f- the fucking story that's just like a little little suspect to me. But interesting. Okay. You know, I okay. again I seem to be in a minority in some of my movie takes for this year.
0: Yeah, no, I like that. I like I like uh, getting like a mix up of opinions and not always following exactly what everyone always feels like. So, yeah, yeah I wanted to ask you those couple questions. I, I totally agree from what it sounds like. I mean, from what I've seen, I would probably agree that poor things is probably the most I, I don't think it's as drastic as you. You just explained it as. Uh, <laughs> but I think some people might think American fiction might even be the most like pretentious in terms of just the writing and what it's talking about. and uh, But I will say the most accessible is definitely Barbie.
1: Right? Oh, My yeah, <laughs> 100%. It's one of the biggest movies ever. 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 <laughs> yeah. So it deserves to be nominated as much as it did. Um, so speaking on that, John, um, let's kind of wrap this up with just some like final thoughts. Um, I always love predictions, just like a little bold take. Do you have any uh, for this Oscar ceremony that's going to be happening on March 10th? Hmm. Right now, just like initial after the nominations were announced today.
0: I think Margot Robbie is going to come up and freaking slap (laughs) someone in the face.
1: (laughs) Oh, man. Who would she slap? Unless it's a bit. Unless they do a bit. They it would be great if there's they just did no
0: it. way they would ever do anything like that. Are you I kidding know. me? It'd be a funny no little,
1: way. It'd be a funny little bit. It'd be funny if <laughs> if some if someone alludes to it, but like wasn't planned. Obviously, that would be even funnier.
0: Yeah. What they should do is because you know they never honor stuntmen, so what they should do a, a segment where they're like, we're gonna give some of the best stuntmen in the business like ten Oscars spread across the industry wide, old to young. And like mid-act, while they're showcasing the stuntman work, they're going to do it rep- replicating the Will Smith slap, oh but not God. acknowledge it. Like There's no other reference or
1: anything to it. Well, that's a bold uh, prediction. <laughs> that's a very bold pre- I wasn't thinking of that as like a bold prediction to give, but I love it. <laughs> I'll, I'll accept it. Let me it. hear yours. Uh, I was going more for like wins and stuff. Um, I'm going <laughs> to predict that one of poor things or Killers of the Flower Moon, both the other two 10-plus nominees, get shut out entirely. I think okay. that... Okay. And I think Killers of the Flower Moon is sort of the one to do that if Lily Gladstone doesn't win Best Actress. I don't see it winning any other category. So, and I keep on bringing this one up as we've like talked about predictions. I'm just going to keep saying Oppenheimer. I'm saying locked in seven, at least seven awards on this Oscar ceremony. I think it's locked in for picture, director, supporting actor, sound, editing, score, and cinematography. I think those are all locked up and would tie everything everywhere all at once from last year. Now, the thing I'm trying to chase is that number 11. And that number 11 is the most wins all time uh, by Mm -hmm. a single film, which is only done by three. So even getting to eight would be great um, and nine would be... Like hugely significant. Um, and I think the two categories that could possibly get to eight or nine are actor and adapted screenplay. So that pushed it to nine. But then the other remaining categories, it ha- I don't think it has any shot at supporting actress, production design, and costume design, makeup and hairstyling. I don't think it has any shot at those. No. But I could be definitely wrong. Definitely not. I don't think so.
0: I do have a serious prediction. Okay. And it's best makeup and hairstyle. I think Society of the Snow is going to win. Oh. I think because, like you were explaining, Netflix, it's very accessible. If you look up just the news of it right now, it's one of the most watched films ever uh, on, like, Netflix in, like, a certain amount of time period. You know, they always have those updated stats. So It's always it, the, it's the extremely... most viewed film ever. It's always the yeah. most viewed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But it's, it's extremely popular right now. A lot of people are watching it. It's been cold. It's been snowing a lot on the East Coast. I think people are thinking a lot about it. They're watching the movie. They're talking about it. It's accessible. And the makeup is just fantastic in that movie. It's so memorable because people from like 30 minutes on throughout the movie are just covered in makeup because of the conditions they're in. So it's I think it's really noticeable and it's in your face. And I think people would have remembered it.
1: But... I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Um, I think that kind of wraps it up, John, for our reactions to the Oscar nominations for the 96th Academy Awards. Any final thoughts? Anything you want to get off your chest before we jump back into our main Worthy series and our eventual predictions when we get closer to the Oscar ceremony in March? I'm very excited. Worthy
0: continues. I'm excited for episode 47. It's going to be exciting. And look forward to that. And yeah, what we will leave you with is, why aren't there more movies out right now? Why aren't there better movies out right now? It's where the are the movies?
1: The strike, man.
0: Where are the movies?
1: Strike really. Imagine if Dune Two had come out in November, where this would have would have messed up all the numbers. We would have been, mm. I, I would have been all over Dune Two. Mm. Next year, Papa. Yeah, I know see what happens next year. Thank you for listening. I'm Ben. And I'm John. And, and this is, is Worthy. Worthy. Thanks for listening to Worthy, the breakdown of every best picture winner from past to present. You can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on Instagram at Worthy Podcast, on Twitter at Worthy Pod, and on Facebook at Worthy Podcast. Any inquiries can be submitted to worthysubmissions at gmail.com. Again, that's submissions at gmail.com.